0: This uh, Sunday, we begin a new sermon series called Out of the Mouths of Babes, and for that, we will be sharing some children's stories. So I invite any children who are here this morning or the young at heart to come forward as we share our first story this morning. Good morning. I'm so glad you all came to share our story this morning. Good morning, kids. Our story that we're sharing this morning is called Old Turtle. Some of you may be familiar with Old Turtle. It's a story by Douglas Wood, and the watercolors in here are absolutely beautiful, and I think we have them for everybody gathered here today up on the screens. Once long, long ago, yet Somehow, not so very long ago, when all the animals and rocks and wind and waters and trees and birds and fish and all the beings of the world could speak and understand one another, there began an argument. It began softly at first. Quiet as the first breeze that whispered, He is a wind who is never still. Quiet as the stone that answered, He is a great rock that never moves. Gentle as the mountain that rumbled, God is a snowy peak high above the clouds. And the fish in the ocean that answered, God is a swimmer in the dark blue depths of the sea. No, said the star, God is a twinkling and a shining, far, far away. No, replied the ant. God is a sound and a smell and a feeling who is very, very close. God, replied the antelope, is a runner who is swift and free, who loves to leap and race with the wind. She is a great tree, murmured the willow, a part of the world, always growing and always giving. You are wrong, argued the island. God is separate and apart. God is like the shining sun far above all things, said the blue sky. No, he is a river who flows through the very heart of things, thundered the waterfall. She is a hunter, roared the lion. God is gentle, chirped the robin. He is powerful, growled the bear. And the argument grew louder and louder. And louder until. Stop! A new voice spoke. It rumbled loudly like thunder, and it whispered softly like butterfly sneezes. The voice seemed to come from. Why, it seemed to come from. Old Turtle. Now, Old Turtle hardly ever said anything. And certainly never argued about things like God. But now, Old Turtle began to speak. God is indeed deep, she said to the fish of the sea. And much higher than high, she told the mountains. He is swift and free as the wind. And still and solid as a great rock, she said to the breezes and stones. She is the life of the world, Turtle said to the willow, always close by, yet beyond the farthest twinkling light, she told the ant and the star. God is gentle and powerful above all things and within all things. God is all that we dream of and all that we seek, said old turtle, and that we come from and all that we can find. God is is Old Turtle had never said so much before all the beings of the world were surprised and became very quiet but old turtle had one more thing to say there will soon be a new family of beings in the world she said and they will be strange and wonderful they will be reminders of all that god is they will come In many colors and shapes, with different faces, and different ways of speaking. Their thoughts will soar to the stars, but their feet will walk the earth. They will possess many powers. They will be strong, yet tender. A message of love from God to the earth, and a prayer from the earth back to God. And the people came. But the people forgot. They forgot that they were a message of love and a prayer from the earth. And they began to argue about who knew God and who did not and where God was and was not and whether God was or was not. And often the people misused their powers or hurt one another or killed one another. And they hurt the earth until finally even the forest began to die. And the rivers and the oceans and the plants and the animals and the earth itself. Because the people could not remember who they were or where God was. Until one day there came a voice. Like the growling of thunder. But as soft as butterfly sneezes. Please stop. The voice seemed to come from the mountain who rumbled. Sometimes I see God swimming in the dark blue depths of the sea. And from the ocean who sighed. He is often among the snow-capped peaks reflecting the sun. From the stone who said, I sometimes feel her breath as she blows by. And from the breeze who whispered, I feel his still presence as I dance among the rocks. And the star said, God is very close. And the island said, His love touches everything. And after a long, lonesome, and scary time, the people listened and began to hear and to see God in one another and in the beauty of all the earth. An old turtle smiled. And so did God. I wonder what brought you joy in that story. I wonder where your heart was heavy and sad in that story. I wonder where you heard God in those words. Can we give thanks as we pray this morning? And say, Dear God, Dear God thank you, thank you for, your for your presence in these words,
1: in, these words,
0: in our world,
1: in our world.
0: For, loving us. for loving us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Um, ooh, as Caroline shared, um, we are beginning a new worship series um, out of the mouths of babes in which we are hearing the word through not only scripture but through the lens of children's books because oftentimes children's books can unpack deep wisdom and theological concepts in a way that is accessible for children and for adults. And so since it is summertime and we are a little more relaxed, um, that's what we're doing for the next four weeks. And so we'll be hearing different stories, um, and we will hear uh, Clay and Caroline and Maggie preach from Scripture and from these books as well. So going along with Old Turtle we heard Belinda read the words from Job, chapter 38. And if you are familiar at all with the book of Job, you know that in chapter 38 is when God finally shows up. Job has lived a long path of suffering. He has lost everything. His livestock, his home, his children, his wife, and has a skin ailment, and he has been raging against God for 37 chapters. And in chapter 38, God shows up and answers Job's questions by asking more questions. (laughs) And I think that it is a good corrective as we tend to live our lives from within our own perspective to perhaps maybe consider what it might be like from God's perspective. We're going to hear these words from Romans chapter 8, a chapter that I cannot live a life of discipleship without. And I think that these words help us look at old turtle and consider what God's word is today. And so we are going to begin reading At verse 18 on down through verse 25, listen for the word of God. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So the book Old Turtle was published in 1992. And it has been a favorite of many ever since. For its gentle message, seemingly gentle message about the beauty of the earth and the suffering of the earth and our role in it as humanity and also about God and who God is and who God has created us to be and who God has created creation to be. It makes sense that Douglas Wood, the author, would use a turtle as the voice of wisdom. I remember coming across a story some years ago, and I researched it again this week, just to check my memory on this. In 2004, a horrible tsunami struck the southern Indian coast and Sri Lanka. Do y'all remember that? And there was a young hippo who was separated from his herd and wound up in a wildlife sanctuary in Kenya. And he bonded immediately with a 130-year-old tortoise. (laughs) Owen was the hippo's name, and Nzi was the turtle's name. And they actually... Bonded together so closely, there's video footage you can watch it on YouTube of the turtle moving very slowly, and the hippo is just right there, and they slept together. And when Owen got large enough um, to bring a little concern to Umzi's safety, um, they separated them, and they found a young female hippo companion for Owen, and um, they have Owen and his female companion. I believe her name is Cleo. In a separate um, area, but they are separated by a barrier. But Mzee and Owen can still see each other, and they th- seem to take great comfort in that. But think about that. Mzee was 130 years old. 130 years old when when Owen became attached to her. So she would have been born somewhere around 1875. She's still living. Consider the life that that turtle has seen. (laughs) And then consider the character of Crush in Finding Nemo. Crush, the sea turtle, (laughs) who is, what, 160? Isn't that what he tells Uh, the fish that he is, that he is 160 years old. So it makes so much sense that the author would choose a turtle to be the gentle voice of deep, deep wisdom and knowledge about God. Now, at the beginning of the story, we have these different elements of creation different animals and rocks and the waterfall and the ocean and the mountaintops who were arguing about who God is. And did you note know that what they claim about God is the best quality in themselves, right? The ant saying, Oh, God is is a feeling and a sense that's very, very, very close. Well I think that that's the biggest part of an ant's existence. The waterfall thinks of God as being thundering, of course. And as the argument gets louder and louder and louder and louder, then old turtle decides to speak up and accepts all of those claims about God and wraps them up into one, one catch-all phrase. God is, period. But then Old Turtle begins to talk about a new tribe that will come. A tribe of humanity which will be as diverse as all of the other elements that are in creation. And this tribe will be a gift from God to the earth and will offer prayer back to God on behalf of the earth. But they forget who they are. Which leads us to Romans 8. In many ways, it has been the curse of our faith historically that we have taken Genesis 1 as the definition for how we are to live in creation. That we are to subdue it, as the English translation says. And that has defined our existence on this earth, and it has especially defined our story here in the United States. That creation is wild and is something to be tamed And we are beginning to pay the price for that now. Another voice in Scripture, however, is this voice of Paul, which claims that creation groans under the weight. Under the weight of humanity's misuse of it. That creation is a part of God's redemptive plan. That, to put it bluntly, it's not just about our individual ticket to the pearly gates, but that salvation is on a cosmic scale. And that we have a role to play in that or not. I recall reading a story in a book by Barry Lopez, who is a naturalist writer. He's written both fiction and nonfiction. And this particular book is called "Arctic Dreams: Imagination and Desire in a Northern Landscape." And he researched, for one of the chapters in that book, he researched the Diaries of whaling ships from the 19th century. And he shared one of the entries from one of those diaries that I think exemplifies humanity's common stance in creation in this one instant. It was late in the whaling season, and ice was beginning to form over the Arctic Ocean, and there was a whaling ship that was late in getting back home to Europe. And there was a lead in the ice. And so they were following this lead in the ice. And they got to a place where it was beginning to narrow. And, of course, there are stories about what happens to ships that don't get out of the Arctic before the ice forms. And as the ice begins to increase, the ships get crushed So they were in this narrow part in a lead in the ice and a bowhead whale surfaced in front of them. And she, it was a female, began to very slowly circle the boat and then she came back in front of them and slowly began to nudge them back to where the water was broader. And then they harpooned her. Yeah. That has so often been our stance in creation. And it is still so often our stance now in creation. N.T. Wright offers some of the strongest words about what our role is, not only in creation, but in God's plan for salvation, for all of creation. And this is what he has to say. It's a lengthy quote, but I think it bears repeating. It will not do simply to consign the present creation to global warming and wait for Armageddon to destroy it altogether. It will not do to concentrate on individual justification while allowing wider issues of justice to go unaddressed. Christians must be in the forefront of bringing, in the present time, signs and foretastes of God's healing justice to bear upon the world that is still full of corruption, injustice, oppression, division, suspicion, and war. And if the world is to attain its full beauty and dignity as God's liberated new creation, it will not do to regard beauty and its creation and conservation as a pleasant but irrelevant optional extra within a world manipulated by science, exploited by technology, and bought and sold in the economic marketplace. Christians must be at the forefront of bringing in the present time Signs and foretastes of God's fresh beauty to birth within the world. Signs of hope for what the Spirit will yet do. My friends, only then, only then will God smile.